Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health and mindset, inside and out. With your hosts, Steve Katarzy and Bryn Jenkins. Hey guys, Steve here and welcome back to the Adapt Nation podcast. In today's episode, we spend the first 15 or so minutes with a bit of drinking banter. We talk about the kind of drinks we like to have socially or if we're going to go out on the piss. We talk about Belgian craft beers being brewed by monks as well as getting katarzied, listening to understand exactly what that is. We then get into the question of the week, which is how do we recommend calorie counting and tracking with both practical and real world guidance? Look guys, I know that calorie counting can sound like a ball lake and there is a little bit of inertia, but we're gonna break that down and help you realize just how simple and flexible this can be. And if you get this right, this could be a game changer, an absolute game changer in your ability to manage your body weight for the long term. You can expect to hear us talk about what to track, how to deal with home cooking, restaurant food, or food cooks by friends. We talk about what apps to use, um, how you can measure the f- your food and what types of measurements there are, and how long do you need to keep this up for. Bryn and I have different perspectives in this episode, so you'll get to hear a difference of personality type, and hopefully you can relate to one or the other. But this is worth listening in, guys, and we hope you get a lot of value. Enjoy. Adapt Nation. Did you have much to drink last night? Did you um, drink Tazi? <laughs> Did I get yeah. guitars in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. No, my my kind of go-to when I'm eating out with my family is just yeah. a bit of red wine. Right. I used to always reach for the beer, so it'd be a Peroni or yeah. like a wheat beer. Mm-hmm. I do like that. But I've now, I don't know if it's maturity or it's a different relationship with food, but yeah, I typically just go a Malbec or a Rioja, like a yeah. deep, rich, full-bodied fruity, wine. full-bodied wine. I do a glass of that, maybe a coffee, that typically is it. It's just enough to give me that indulgence. If I'm eating out, it's different yeah. for me at home and I'm experiencing good wine as well. Yeah. But that's all I do. I mean, do you? Yeah, do you, I mean, Is that what you do when you go out or do you yeah, like I, beers? To be fair, when I'm eating, I tend to drink wine because I just find that beer is too gassy and it just fills me up. Um, if I have a beer before dinner, I just don't enjoy the meal as much. So uh, if I'm eating out, yeah, usually red wine, usually Rioja Malbec. I, I do like the sort of deep, full-bodied wines as well. Um, but I, I, I do like my beers. I like, um, there's a lot of craft beers now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen these little microbreweries popping up where they do all these craft beers from all over the world. Um, so that's, that's my choice when I'm not eating, usually sort of craft beer. Um, and where and do you go to get those? Um, well, there's, I mean, there's all these, there's a lot of home breweries around now, um, and you can get all these quirky beers, you get these shops as well that are popping up selling all these craft beers, um, but there's a, in town, there's a place called Bald Buzzard, which is a microbrewery, so you go in there and it's got like this glass refrigerator cabinet that you can see behind the bar, and they slide that open and pour the beer straight from the keg. Um, so that's I just like the whole experience um, but I think actually that's a lot of it is 
why craft beer is thriving because it's not it is the taste but it's also the experience it because they're all different and they've got a story behind it oh yeah um, it's like when i go to um like a belgium inspired yeah um beer beer pub right and they might have like hundreds of different styles yeah um of, of beers to go for and i love belgian beers personally yeah. and it is great i i can it's almost reminiscent because i don't go there anymore i've chosen to not make beer my go-to when it always was and i don't really miss it if i'm honest um but i understand what you're talking about yeah. that all that choice yeah and you know you know the kind of working out the flavors and the social side of you know trying new things with your friends yeah. that is really cool man yeah and i love the wheat beers and i like the kind of like kind of more full-bodied richer beers right yeah. and the, the stronger beers ones that get you pissed quickly <laughs> yeah the stronger <laughs> ones the um what, what, one of my friends really interesting actually because i was reading an article on it the other day um because my friend was talking about this beer that he got trappist beer and he was saying how it's a beer that's made in west veteran which is in i think it's in belgium and it's brewed by monks it's been brewed for like the last 200 years and it's not that expensive because I think the monks use the profit to sort of upkeep their religion and help the um, people in need. So they've been doing this for the last 200 years. So there's quite a lot of, um, uh, there's quite a lot of history behind it. And it was actually the world's number one beer at one point. I think really? It was, I think it's number two now. And uh, yeah, so basically if you want this beer, you have to call up 60 days in advance. And <laughs> if you get through, because they have about 85,000 calls per hour. What? So only a fraction get through, which he did. And if you get through, you have to drive to the Abbey in West Veteran and pick it up. So it, And your mate got that beer? Yeah. That is a commitment for a... Yeah. But he's, he's, he brews his own bit. He, it's, it's, like, it's almost like a hobby for him, and he's into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, My next-door neighbour brews his own beer. Oh, really? Yeah, whenever he's not in, we get we get parcels of really heavy things delivered. I thought you were going to say, I'd jump over the fence. I should do, shouldn't I? Yeah, but I was just like, wow. So I, I read up on it, and it's, it's amazing that there's, there's um, this culture still going on. It's definitely a hobbyist movement yeah. around beers like anything like i've got an uncle who um is like knee deep in like kind of like learning about fishing i never right. used to like fishing before but you yeah. know with the internet one of the great things about the internet is it gives you the ability to just get a hobby very quickly right yeah. it's something you're interested in before it'd be you know, a friend of a friend of a friend might have some tips or might book have or a book on it or something. Now, I want to learn about fishing. There's like a million YouTube videos yeah. to watch and there's loads of websites and there's loads of hobbyist kind of blogs. You talk about beer, massive scene on the internet yeah. describing where to go, experiences, pop-up pubs, yeah. all that kind of thing. And then creating your own beers and then there's all these kits you can buy on Amazon and there's all oh, that yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, so easy now. So yeah. easy to have like yeah. a, an expensive infatuated hobby yeah right? yeah yeah i've got well actually my best man's making the beer for the wedding so oh really yeah cool. we went up a few weeks ago that's a lot we, of beer isn't it yeah i think we're well it's not going to be the beer for all night it's just like i think we're doing 200 bottles Still um but it's quite a lot yeah so basically when everyone turns up we're going to have them all in like 
well, I say an ice bucket, it's going to be in a wheelbarrow because we're having a teepee <laughs> on a lake. We're nice. a little country. Um, so, yeah, we went a few weeks ago and we, we all kind of brewed the beer together. And I think it was... Um, How long does it take? It, it takes most of the day to do the brew. And then it takes a few weeks to let the... I think it's a matter of pumping the CO2 gas into the beer so it's not flat. Um, that takes a few weeks, but I think you've just got to... Oh, so we're not like the maturing of wine. It's not like you no. know, weeks or months. It's not like well, months it's, or years. It's, yeah, it's weeks. More weeks and months, yeah. Oh, right. And, it can um, be months, can it? Yeah, I, I, think it, I think the more you leave it, the better. But okay. I'm no expert at brewing beer, so I, I went up there and did it with him. But um, we did a pineapple-flavoured beer, so it sa- doesn't sound that nice. But actually, we tried it, and I think it's going to be lovely. If it's a hot summer's day as well, I think it'll go down really well. Is that what you're going to be serving at your wedding? Yeah, yeah. Nice, man. So, yeah, so when everyone turns up, they'll, they'll get a bottle of that. So talking about drinking, um, at the companies that I've worked for, specifically the, the, the company I'm currently at, which I'm yeah. quitting next week, um, there's this verb of being catarzied. I've always I've been the guy that doesn't drink often, don't, don't drink at home, mm-hmm. Um but I do need my release because I work hard, so therefore I've got to play hard. So every once in a while when we organise an event or yeah. something impromptu comes about, if Steve's there, it's likely going to be a long one <laughs> and people are going to be hurt the next day. Yeah, I just, I, I, I binge, right? So I'll, yeah. go, I'll go for a long period of time of, of no drink and then I'll just go, go crazy for one night. And it's not crazy like deliberately pulling, you know, getting all the shots out, where, but that can happen. But that happens when decision making starts to deteriorate, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. But it starts off just nicking a few beers or a couple of glasses of wine, and before you know it, you just want to stay out. Yeah. You want to stay out for as long as you, you can. Get carried away. So there's this thing like when the guys come over from the states, or we have you know new starters, or people don't know me, they get catarzied. They get the I'm only going to go out for one beer, and they rock home at five, rock at rock back home at like five a.m. <laughs> Trouble with my leaving do is tomorrow, right? And there's been just a couple of things organized. I think people are expecting it to be quite a, a sober affair. A few beers, people just get back to their lives, you know, by eight, nine o'clock, they're heading yeah. out. And I'm torn, man. I'm torn between the person, you know, that identity that I've owned for such a long time, which is when Steve goes out, he goes out. Yeah. And he's gonna get pissed. Yeah. To this whole kind of um, optimization and wellness kind of piece of my life right now, where I'm trying to make smarter decisions for myself. I don't know. And they do say that binging is the very worst way in which you can consume alcohol. And I get it. And I'm torn between. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy my my friends and you know make this a, a night to remember with. Uh, I don't really want to get drunk. Yeah, but you don't want to be boring either. Yeah, I don't really want to completely get drunk and then lose two days out. And I've got things on Friday I need to do, so I'm like, what is it going to be? And I don't need to decide now. The night will go however it goes. Yeah. But I'm I'm assuming I'm not going to get drunk. Yeah. And I'm almost thinking, no, Steve, loosen up, because if it happens, it happens. Yeah. I don't know, have you ever been at that point where you kind of start making different choices and around your relationship with alcohol? Oh, yeah, I mean, there's been times where I thought, I'm a changed man. I don't binge anymore, and I go out, and I'm sensible, 
and then suddenly one night just gets out of hand and you think and you wake up next day and you're like oh I can't believe I'm not going to do it I'm not yeah. doing this again yeah. but you, then next week you're back yeah exactly <laughs> so you, I don't think it's a matter of of, of change um, and you'll never do it again you'll probably just find it goes you know, it just goes the way it goes but I do when I before I go out I do try and think about what I want to achieve the next day really focus on that because then I go well I remind myself why I don't want to drink too much and then I I'm usually a bit better and then there's there's a point in the nights when you've had the perfect amount of alcohol right the first couple you loosen it up yeah and you know, you're not quite sure you're going to stay out and you, you might be a little bit rusty in conversation. Yeah. It might be a bit forced. And then there's a certain amount of drink, for, different for every person, when the the reins get loosened up. Yeah. And you're in this kind of really relaxed, flowy state. You, you, you've got maximum communication skills. You, you're, you're floating around like a butterfly, yeah. just like social butterfly thing. And you're just up for it. And you want to keep drinking because you know the drink is creating this feeling. So it's, let me it's have like more a, of it. It's like a high, isn't it? And you're like, you. It's recognizing when you've reached the peak of the night. So I don't. Like, but I don't do that. So I'll get to that point. I'm like, oh, I'm loose. I'm feeling good, and we're having random conversation. Yeah. It's going a bit. It's going a bit left field. And then okay, let's get another one. Like you're not going to leave now, are you? So let me go and get another round. Yeah. Get another round, and we're still feeling good. And then there's a point when. There's a point of no return. Yeah. And I've gone from feeling, if I just stayed at this level of drunkness, tomorrow won't be so painful. I'd really enjoy the night. Yeah. And I can keep my conversation flowing and I can still be, you know, witty and you know, have some intelligence in my conversation. <laughs> and then it's like I have a couple more of something, typically shots. Yeah. And then it goes from in control to I probably now sound like an idiot. I'm probably I'm slurring <laughs> my words. You know, my communication skills have gone out the window. It's it's nonsense yeah. com- nonsense conversation now. <laughs> and I now know I'm just I'm going all in on creating as much pain for myself as yeah, possible yeah, yeah. because there's you know, there's, there's no, no limits, there's, there's no control. Yeah. And it's knowing when you get to that point of like maximum feel good factor. Yeah. And like, okay, how do I how do I now maintain that how do i keep enough alcohol in the system yeah so just to keep this mood going without going over the top and like spilling over the edge and now becoming the drunkard yeah do you know what well, I mean? do you know what one of the rules i i, li- I try and live by it depends who i'm with but i try and not have any shots because i, f- I fucking hate shots because they're to me they're like pointless because oh i love a shot like a, a jaeger bomb or something yeah because i just you know it's like over so quick and it does so much damage because if you're if you're just enjoying your drink and you're getting drunk and you're getting drunk slowly and you're enjoying the night, as soon as the shots come out, because you, you drink them so quick and then it hits you so quickly, that's usually where I find that it's the tipping point. They're just like, yeah. It is a tipping point, but it's also the, the it's also the you know lock, stock and two smoking barrels moment of the night. Yeah. Everything's kind of, you know, controlled calm, yeah. and calm and the shots come out. Bring it on. And then yeah. that's when you know the crazy starts. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I love that part of the night. Yeah. And I love the the experience of let's go and get some Jaeger bombs or let's go, <laughs> and we're knocking them back. Oh, let's get another round whilst we're here, like yeah, yeah. Net, back to back. Or then let's get the tequilas out, or let's get the flavored vodkas out. But you know, you know it's it's not going to end well. Yeah, and it, it's just this balance. So as I say, I'm going to go out tomorrow, and you know, 
maybe no one's in the mood for being out. Yeah. And that's the decision made. Yeah. But if there's a couple of people that are wanting to stay out and I kind of loosen up, let's see where it goes. Yeah. But I'm, I'm wondering if the want to be optimal now, that, that yeah. want to respect my body and cause no harm, if that's going to override my instinct just to get plastered. Yeah. We'll see, man. That's going to be a challenge. <laughs> but I would say, man, is that you've got a choice. At least you've got a choice. I've got stag do coming up. There's no choice. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't go... Hmm, I'm going to try and be sensible that's tonight. once in a lifetime, that, right? Yeah. It is what it is. You are going to enjoy that and you're going to be home for three days afterwards. Adaptation. Okay, let's get into the question of the week. Yeah. So as we've been kind of digging into trying to help people start on their weight loss journey, we've put together some podcasts on that. We've also put the articles together to support those. Mm-hmm. It's really encouraging to see people take, you know, take this with both hands, you know, take the advice, get inspired. Maybe it's the weather as well, but people yeah. are now going, okay, I'm, I'm on it. I'm going to, I'm going to go change my nutrition. I'm going to focus on my calories. I'm going to get some exercise in. I'm mm-hmm. going to be in control versus just, just throwing mud at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. So it's great. But the question that's coming in from several people now is, okay, you guys are massive proponents of calorie counting. How do I do it? Mm. And the, in, the, initial re, the initial kind of reaction to calorie counting is like, ugh, yeah. this is a ball ache. Yeah. This is a ball ache. How, come on, this sounds at first quite simple. And once I try and run it for a couple of days, I realise how challenging it can be. Mm. So I, I, the question is, how do we recommend um, managing that process of calorie counting and tracking yeah and the questions that kind of come to mind like just splurting them out are okay so what do I track you know Mm -hmm. do I have to get ultra specific like do I need to track herbs and spices and seasoning and condiments Mm -hmm. Um, what about home cooking when I'm at home and I've got loads of different ingredients because I'm trying to be healthy that's a ball ache. Do I have to measure and track all of those? Um, should I just buy packaged food because it's easier? Because at least then the label tells me how many calories to eat. Yeah. Um, what other things are people coming up with? Um, how to deal with restaurants. I'm going out for a meal. Do I have to track? Yeah. What about if I go to my friend's house and, you know, they're going to cook what they're going to cook and I have to eat what they, they give me. How do I manage those situations? Apps. What apps to use? What apps? How do I use those apps? How do I measure? You know, do I take it? Do I just eyeball it? Is it handfuls? Is it the weighing scales, cups? Yeah. Teaspoons. Right. Tell me how to do that. And how long do I have to do this this shit for? Yeah. <laughs> Is this? Do, do I have to do this forever? Am I signing myself up to this painful administration that's taking the life out of, out of food and me, or is this just a a moment? of education so they're the kind of questions i know that are coming in we're going to try and wrap that up that up in a conversation we have now yeah to break this down and make it a lot more simpler than it is and just give people the comfort that this could be a life-changing commitment that you make in better understanding the foods that you eat well that's where we should start right yeah this is not a lifelong commitment why don't we talk about our own personal experience first yeah I mean, I, I, 
I do track because obviously we need to know what we're eating in order to, to measure it, especially when it comes to body composition. Um, but because I've been doing it for quite a while, I can also do a lot of guesswork and, and, and you will get better at doing the guesswork over time. Um, but you also do need to keep an eye on what you're having. So I personally will track for a week or two every few weeks just to sort of see where I'm at and then I might not track for you know two to three weeks in between the reason I do that is because I just I I mean I personally hate tracking I, th- I don't know anyone that actually enjoys do you enjoy tracking it's not a fun task because it is a bit monotonous um but I wouldn't ever get to the point where I'm never going to track ever again, personally. But I don't want to get, I don't want to track all the time and just solely rely on it. So that's kind of how I, how I use tracking for my own personal life. So my my experience of tracking has been, I've been using a specific app, MyNet Diary, on and off for. I need to go back at the data. It's probably five years actually, right. but not been tracking for five years. I just have I've had the app installed for that kind of time. Okay. And I've had periods of using it consistently and large periods of not using it at all. For the last year and a half, I've probably been using it every single day. Okay. Now, I use it every day because my goals are very specific, especially over the last year, where I am... I have a very specific physique, body composition, and set of objectives that are precise enough that I need to be precise with my intake. Yeah. Otherwise, I will just take a very long uh, and guessed route to the, to the destination I want to get to. So I track every day. And that sounds like a ball ache. And to begin with, I think the experience was met with some inertia and resistance mm-hmm. from me because... You've got to find an app. You've got to download the app. You might have to put in a couple of user credentials just to get it started so it knows yeah. you. And then the very first meal or sets of meals you make are going to be the app learning you. So you're going to have to do it the hard way. The hard way is still easy, but you yeah. have to find those foods um, in the database. So I would say that first few weeks was probably difficult, but now I do it every week and every it's day. Easy, because it allows me to be precise. So I have a calorie goal every single day, whether I'm trying to lose weight or gain weight. And I love to eat. And the more I track, the more I know what I'm allowed. Yeah. So like last night, for example, went out for a meal and I wanted to have no hards barred, a completely free and indulgent night. Mm. And I don't have to care about what uh, what choices I make. I just want to eat the foods I like and not feel restricted yeah. and not feel any remorse afterwards. So how did I do that? I tracked in the morning and during the day and tried to keep my calories to a low enough amount. So I had about 1700 calories for, for the dinner mm. and I kept within it. It was, it was amazing. That's what tracking gives to me. It actually gives me more choice. It actually yeah. gives me um, greater choice to have indulgent moments yeah with no regrets yeah because you know exactly what you're doing i'm allowed to have this yeah whereas if i didn't do that i wouldn't understand how many calories i've had during a day i wouldn't understand whether a specific food is um calorific or not 
I may have considered myself to be healthy during the lead up to that evening, but I might have still consumed 2,000 calories or 1,500 calories during the day, lead, leaving next to nothing for the evening. Yeah. But, you know, in my mind, in my mind's eye, I've been healthy. Mm. I've not had anything bad, but I'm way over budget. Yeah. So I count for that level of control. Yeah. Not everyone needs to, but here's the, here's the thing with tracking. I think tracking is a massive um, educational moment in your relationship with food and your body. If you can commit to the process and only commit to it up front for two or three weeks, deal through the inertia of having to understand how and what and the process and the apps that you're using. But what you get out at the back end of that process is you get a greater appreciation for the calorie density within the foods that you choose, it subconsciously gets you think thinking and choosing foods in a slightly different way because you now have that knowledge. <laughs> and in time, you can then become intuitive where mm. you know roughly what you need to eat, what type of foods, what kind of portion sizes will sit within what's a healthy calorie range for you. Yeah. But you cannot get that level of knowledge and insight Unless you unless you start and invest in yourself, yeah, to understand the foods you're eating. So that's our journeys. Um, so what to track? I would say the things that are most important are, you know, you want to track the foods that contain proteins and fats. You want to cont- track the foods that are sugary or starchy in nature. You want to absolutely track the sources, the oils, and any of the snacks that you consume. Really want to track everything, but the bias is towards those things. These are the things that are going to have the highest calories, that are going to make the biggest difference as to whether you hit your goal or not. And don't miss out the snacks. Yeah. Don't think, okay, I'm just going to have this little thing, and you know, I won't confess to the app or myself I've had it, because yeah. that could be what takes you over the edge. Yeah. Think about the oils, think about the ketchup, think about the barbecue sauce, think about that little protein bar that you had or the protein shake or those nuts or that little Snickers bar or that bit of chocolate. All this stuff adds up. So be honest with yourself and track as much as you can. Yeah, I think that's such an important point because there's a there's a lot of foods that we consume that we don't actually physically eat. Like if we put butter in our dinner and it melts, and we put oils in to fry our food, um, and we add sauces. All these things that we don't feel that are give, you know, that aren't filling us up, or we're having to chew. We don't really count them as such, or some people don't feel that they count towards their calories. But let's say your goal is to be in a five hundred calorie deficit, and over the day you've not tracked things like you know tablespoon of ketchup here olive oil there some handful of nuts before you know it suddenly you've just smashed four or five hundred calories yeah without really even knowing it because you didn't track it suddenly you're no longer in a deficit and then you're wondering why you haven't lost weight so yeah it's 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 important to make sure that you do keep an eye on all these things that creeping into your diet that you may not realize are adding a lot of calories yeah so you you want to have you want to be somewhat anal at least for the first few weeks and understand and catch your habits oh I had, I had, you know, a handful of nuts here. I've had that little snack here. You know, I had three coffees with two teaspoons of sugar. You know, it all adds up. Yeah. 
And to understand the impacts of those little habits is important because they may add only 100 calories and that's perfectly fine. But if you're like non-food or, or kind of non-thinking, non-meal type yeah. stuff adds up, as you say, five, six, seven hundred calories, if you just remove those, you could be in a much better place. Yeah. But you've got to track them first to know. The things that are perhaps less important to be accurate on are things like uh, green veggies. So think about your broccolis, your cabbage, uh, asparagus, mushrooms, uh, carrots as well, um, swede. You know, most of the kind of like um, watery or green veggies, I'm not saying don't count them, just understand that whether you account for 50 grams or 100 grams of, say, tender stem broccoli, the difference is about 10 calories. Yeah. There's hardly anything in these yeah. these foods. What where the, where the calories will come in is if you put a massive buttery sauce over the top or yeah. a peppercorn sauce or it's the food that it comes with it, yeah. not the vegetable itself. So track them and measure them as you can. Just cut yourself some slack on the veggies. You can guesstimate without making a huge difference. Yeah. What you don't want to do is guesstimate on uh, all the all, all the snacks and sugary stuff you had because that's where all the calories lie. Yeah, that that's where you could they, you can make a big difference if you're out and you're, let's say you're having um, like a bowl full of, of cereal and you and you say that's fifty grams when really it's hundred grams. There's yeah. going to be a big difference in the calories there. But if you do that with a plate of broccoli, it's not going to be neither here or there really it's not going to make a huge difference and then other, other, other thing you you can be chill with is seasoning yeah, and herbs and spices definitely. these things add nothing yeah like barely you know turmeric uh, cumin oregano basil don't forget smoked paprika paprika like yeah that. exactly exactly um yeah all, all of the herbs and spices salt yeah. pepper um, they they add something. Yeah. They can all add value, micronutrient value, but they add next to no caloric impact. And and actually, that's that's a great thing because if you're tracking and you're trying to keep your calories down, and you need to get your calories down, then maybe skip the ketchup and put some um, spices on your food oh, to give you, it flavour. Bang on, man. So therefore, you're giving yourself more flavour, but taking away some calories. Totally agree. You know, I can't remember the last time I had ketchup or these like strong condiments because we're just we're just hitting all those yeah. herbs and spices, seasoning well, and maybe a splash of Tabasco. You know, there's so many ways to put so much punch and flavour into yeah. your foods which bring next to no calorie impact to your diet. Brilliant. But as I say, use as much of this as you need for, for flavour but don't worry about tracking them because they yeah. add next to nothing. Exactly. Um, and then the last thing you can be chill with is most supplements. Now, we, we will track things such as whey protein and protein bars and um, maybe like green drinks. If they're sweet, they might add 50 yeah. calories. So you might want to kind of track those. But I'm talking about your, your tablets and your pills. Yeah. You know, they're not going to really add anything. Even like a fish oil, if you take one fish oil tablet a day, that's like 10 calories or whatever it is. Again, you don't need to go that anal. Yeah. Take your pills and potions as you normally will. Focus more on, you know, the caloric, dense foods yeah. that we described before. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that would be the kind of do's and don'ts, the less and more accurate kind of approach to tracking. Um, home cooking. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting observation that's coming in from 
um, the growing body of people that are tracking the food. There's some, some paper or some articles put together to suggest that people that are uh, tracking their food, especially long term, are having a bias towards packaged foods versus whole foods. And I actually understand that. That would make sense, yeah. Because you've actually experienced that as well, Bruno. Yeah. I, I've had the temptation of going, it, it will be a lot quicker if I just get something in a packet that I can scan. Because some of these apps, you can actually scan the packet. It will just the nutritional value. And I just think, well, if I just eat out packaged food, which I'm not going to do, but I have thought about it. It's run through my mind thinking, actually, that would be quite a convenient way to track my calories. So, so I don't have to track my oil, yep. my butters, uh, the other sources I put in. I just scan the barcode and I have, I've either had the whole packet or half a packet yeah. and I'm done. Yeah. So I, I can understand why people look for the kind of easy route to achieving their objective. But in actual fact, you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm. When you're home cooking, yes, there's some complexity. You know, if you take a look at the Adaptation food diary, we in some cases have lots of ingredients there might be on the plate five you know four to six things but when you layer on all the different elements of the dish that come from the oils and so forth there's quite a lot going on yeah um but the process isn't actually that difficult right you, you if you put your if you put your plate on the measuring scales and you you dump on the raw ingredient of this or that or you know, before you put stuff into the boil, mm. you grab whatever it is you're about to cook, whether it be the pasta or whether it be the vegetables, whether it be the mushrooms, and you just put it on the scales. It, within a second, you've got a number. Write a number down on a piece of paper, or put it on your app, and that's it, it's done. Mm. So I don't think home cooking is actually that difficult. What you do need to do is you need to be mindful and aware of what you're putting into the pot. Yeah. And that perhaps is the bit that people struggle with. Like, people are like the creative process of cooking. It's taste, retest, taste, retest, add more, do this. And in that experience of trying to create the best flavors, if you are a, like a cook, you're probably not gonna want to be anal around predetermining each element of the dish. You wanna mm -hmm. kind of just go with the flow. That could be a challenge, but I don't think most people do that every single day. Most people have their go-to foods, yeah. five to 20 different dishes that they will have throughout the course of the year. And you've now, you've got some muscle memory, you know, how you're gonna prepare that meal. Yeah. It's gonna be consistent most days. So I actually don't think it's that difficult. You're gonna have these veggies, you're gonna have these meats, you might have this packaged food, you're gonna put this amount of oil or what have you. Just track it. Yeah. It's really not that difficult. Yes, there's more to track, but once you've done it once, and it's the benefit of these apps, once yeah. you create a meal once, you can either favorite that meal as a whole package and then just select that meal and it puts all the ingredients in in one go, or you can copy a previous day where you had listed all of those ingredients and move it into move it over. Yeah. To the day that you're in. It really is, it's a one-off experience for those kind of home-cooked uh, meal ideas that you put together. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, I what I do is I try and limit the amount of ingredients I put into stuff so I don't make the dish too complicated because then you've got so many ingredients you've got track and it just becomes a bit of a ball ache so I actually try and keep my meals somewhat simple and not over 
elaborate. Yeah, exactly. So um, for me, that works quite well. Okay. But some people, you know, some people, you know, some people might get on with tracking, um, and it might come quite natural to them. For me, I found it's it was a chore for quite a long time. Um, but over time, it got easier as it becomes a habit and automation because you start putting it in the yeah. meals. It does get easier over time. But guys, if you treat tracking as a um, <clears throat> something you're going to do for a period of time versus mm. something you do forever, yeah. So the experience is it's transient. Mm. I'm doing this to learn. I'm not doing this because I'm now having to change the way I do things for the rest of my life. Now, if that becomes a habit. And you like the like the precision of tracking, and you want to do it longer term. Great, but you're not signing up to that. From you're signing up to just learning what you're eating yeah. for a few weeks. So take the time. Now, a little side note. For me personally, I need to track as soon after the meal as possible. Is that so you remember or? Yeah, if you try and retrospectively yeah. add in everything you ate two days ago, oh yeah, it ain't gonna fucking happen. You'll miss you're not gonna remember everything and all the things that you kind of reached for during the day. I try and get into the habit of tracking my food, probably when I'm sitting down before or after lunch. Yeah, um, I'll track my breakfast and or my lunch as well, and then once I've had my dinner and the kids have gone to bed, I might pop open the app and then just quickly log the food I had for dinner. Yeah. And then there's certain things I have every single day. Like I have a protein shake in the morning, I have a protein shake at night, and I have a few things that happen every single day. So first thing in the morning, I just load them up. Yeah. They're already pre-populated, and then I add in the flexibility to different things I have. But I absolutely will try and keep on top of it because it will become overwhelming yeah. and it will become difficult to be accurate if you are tracking retrospectively, like for the week, for example. Well, you just might be able to it's, do it. It's, you do see it a lot where people track at the end of the day and they try and remember what they have for breakfast. And although, you know, thinking back over the day is not too hard. but If you you're in the day, it will be okay. If you yeah. try and do it the following day or even the day after, you're not you're just not going to get it right. Yeah. And it's going to be a tax and it's going to feel like shit. So yeah. just try and do it just like anything, right? When there's an action, try and get it done and then it's no longer on your shoulders. Definitely, yeah. I've I've seen it before where clients have come to me saying, um, I've tracked at the end of the day and then they've forgotten like that they had this protein bar here which was like 300 calories or, you know, it's just making sure, like you're saying, do it as you go, just get it done throughout the day. Um, If you do have to do it at the end of the day, then, you know, so be it and and try and remember absolutely everything that you've had. Um, but the longer you leave it, the, the harder it's going to become. So, yeah. so that's home cooking and timing. Um, uh, restaurants. So I would point you towards an article we put together mm-hmm. called um, Dieting and Eating Out. Yeah. Having your cake and eating it. That's the article on uh, the adaptnation.io website. And it goes through um, some practical options to manage eating and eating out. What I will say, though, is... It's difficult. It's, you're never going to know how many calories are in the food yeah. that have been prepared by someone else. Um, you might get go to certain places where they they declare their calories because their portion sizes are, are consistent or they're packaged. Um, but in most cases, restaurants aren't going to give you that information. No. So at best, at best you try and guess what you had. Worst case, you don't track at all. Mm. And you're just going to have to go with some averages. 
So in my perspective, and I've done this for the benefit of knowing what the impact of eating out is for me, I have tried to track some of the meals I've had. So whether I go to like a steakhouse or I go to like my go-to Turkish restaurant or I go to a Thai restaurant, I've had enough cuisines over the last year and a half where I've retrospectively tried to work out based on my appreciation for portion size and you know gram weight and what ingredients might be in the foods. I've tried to speculate what I'm having across drink, yeah. the three courses, maybe coffee, dessert. And whilst I'm not 100% sure I've got it right, I know pretty well because I've been able to manage my weight, so I'm roughly about accurate, Yeah, is for me personally, with my appetite and the way I like to eat, I consume about 1,500 to 2,000 calories on an evening meal. Three courses with a glass of wine. Yeah. 1,500 to 2,000. I could definitely eat more by making different choices, but I choose to try and rein it in, enjoy yeah. myself, have fun, um, experience and break bread with others, but not make some of the choices that I know are just going to be damaging or yeah. just going to make my life too difficult. So I'll, again, I'm hardly limiting myself, but there's just a couple of foods I'll try and avoid just to make it a little bit easier. Mm. So for me, 1,500 to 2,000 calories is a standard evening meal for me. For you, it might be different if, you're, if your appetite is much less than mine. Mm-hmm. What I would recommend is the odd restaurant meal you have over the course of the next few months, just try and track it retrospectively and get a sense roughly of how many calories you've had. Now, I would do this once you've got used to calorie counting. Yeah. Definitely. Once you've got used to eyeballing a plate of food and going, okay, that's roughly 80 grams, that's roughly 100 grams. The taste would suggest they put butter in. That sauce has definitely got some oil. You know, that meat, you know, I've ordered a 10 ounce steak, I know it's 10 ounces. You know, just trying to get a sense of plate and portion size, you're gonna build up that mm-hmm. intuition at home. Yeah. And then when you go to a restaurant, <laughs> retrospectively, two or three times, try and practice what you think is in there and then once you get an understanding of where your kind of calorie range is on an evening meal then i'll probably leave it there i would definitely not feel this obligation to track each and every time you go out Mm. because it's it's inaccurate it's taken part of the fun away from it Um, and i don't think it's necessary if you've basically grounded yourself on a kind of rough window of calories that you know you typically eat yeah well i mean at the end of the day the objective is to not rely on things like tracking tools you should be able to go out and know what you're eating within a good range so you now know but that's only through practice i would never have known that you would have never known so you've used this method to get you to this place where you can now intuitively eat and, and control your body weight and have this almost flexible approach but that's only because you've been doing it for a while so that with tracking your calories this is the objective that's the place you want to get to i've got a soundbite here i think you need to be you need to constrain yourself and be inflexible to then bring in flexibility to your life you need to make life difficult to make life easier and that's really the 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 journey i've gone on with calorie counting and tracking I've made, I've added layers of administration and kind of anally retentive view of food for a period of time Mm -hmm. to the point now 
I've got so much flexibility. Yeah. I'm in control. I love my food. I eat the foods I like. I don't alienate or victim uh, or villainize any food. And I, it's just a beautiful place of intuition and flexibility. But I've only garnered that benefit through making my life difficult for a period of time. Yeah. And now you're in a place where you can do that. And that's a great place to be. So eat, eating out is definitely a, a doable thing. And as I say, try and, try and work out what you've had a few times. You'll build yeah. up that kind of muscle memory. Um, I guess probably the hardest, the hardest element of tracking, and it's hard for a couple of reasons, is going to be eating at friends' houses. Mm, this is, yeah, this is so, a real barrier. So dinner dates and, you know, um, uh, dining in, it, it is going to be difficult because when you're eating at, at home, whilst there's some administration... You're in control of what you put in a pan, what you put in the oven, what you take out of the freezer. So if you want to, you can track down to the to the calorie pretty much. When you're eating at your friend's house, you're not in control of the decision. You're not in control of the preparation. You're not in control of what um, hidden food hidden food ingredients are in in to make the flavors the way they are. And the last thing you're gonna want to do is set some, you know, set these inappropriate expectations on what your friends can and cannot cook or ask them specifically on what they put in there. You're just not going to do that. I mean, it would just be completely inappropriate. Mm. Maybe if you've got a friend that really understands what you're trying to do, really supports your kind of uh, need to lose weight, um, and maybe they will take some guidance from you and it's the types of foods that they shouldn't cook because they know that they're the foods you're trying to avoid. Yeah. Maybe that's a place you can get to with close friends. Yeah. But the reality is, in the majority of times, if you get invited to someone's house to eat, you're going to eat what you're given, and you're probably going to eat the portion sizes you're given too, mm. and you're going to ask no questions. Yeah. It is going to be difficult, and I, I'm not saying don't do it. Do it. Have as much of a social life and eat yeah. at your friend's house as much as you like just appreciate it's probably going to be the most difficult one to be in control of and you're yeah. going to have to add as much um uh, buffer around yeah. those meals at best you can go there and again like when you go to a restaurant eyeball the plate and maybe retrospectively if you really care try and work out roughly how many calories you had that evening after the meal once you're at home mm-hmm. but it's going to be guesswork you're going to probably be in in and around plus or minus 20% accurate, so it's still worth doing. Yeah. But it's going to be wholly inaccurate, and I don't think you should try and aim for accuracy when it's about the social enjoyment yeah. and relationship and really taking advantage of um, uh, the, the gift that you've been given, which is someone is preparing food for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, all you can do is let your social circle know. You can just tell the people around you what you're doing, and... I think that it's going to be up to them whether they, you know, give you guidance or help you when you go around to eat at their house, or it might not be, it might be your partner's friends. It might you might not even know them. So in that case, yeah, you're going to have no control over it. So accepting that, but then also, you're going to have to eyeball the food. If you're someone that's trying to get in a calorie deficit, you're better to overestimate. And if you're someone that's trying to um, be in a calorie surplus and put weight on. Good time which I'm doing, yeah, I'll always underestimate just to be on the safe side. It's a good so, guide. Yeah. But, yeah, 
I, I agree that the way you can control things um, is when people p- prepare food and then they leave it up to you to plate. Yeah. And it happens quite yeah, a lot, true. if yeah. I'm honest. A lot of people do that. They, they want to give their guests control of their portion size. Yeah. So like you put in a roast together, you put all the things in the middle of the plate, and people just take the things they want, or fajitas, or you know those kind of things. And I think in that case, you have a level of control. At least you have a control of portion size and foods that you may or may not put on your plate, mm-hmm. if you care. Yeah. But honestly, for me... You know, I care deeply about my body goals, but if someone's gone through the the effort, and it can be a lot of effort in um, hosting you and preparing food, I'm going to eat what they cook cook for me, and I'm hopefully going to enjoy it, and I'm going to eat as much as it takes to f- to fill that emotional bucket mm. of breaking bread with my friends, and you're just going to need to cut yourself some slack. You don't want to be the uh, guy going around with your scales and weighing their food. Imagine yeah. that, man. Yeah. I, 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 and I, I guess people in physique, um, uh, competition training, yeah. or people getting very close to competitions, they probably will just avoid those scenarios altogether. Yeah. Or take their scales. Or, or try and be that annoying person that's yeah. like, I need to know what you put in this. Yeah. And can I weigh this? I mean, I couldn't imagine anything worse of hosting someone and them asking me 20 questions about the yeah. food we prepared. So please don't be that person. <laughs> yeah. Cool. What else we got? Um, well, we might have touched on this earlier, but what apps can you use? Um, so you use a different app to me. I personally use uh, MyFitnessPal as an app to track my calories. Um, great app. It's probably, I think, is one of the most popular apps out there. I think it um, is, yeah. Because I always hear people talk about MyFitnessPal. Um which is, is it free? Which is free, which is, and you can put your goal, obviously put in your name and your weight and your goals and it will calculate it all for you. It just works off an algorithm. So um, just be mindful of that. But it's a good tool. Well, it's good the fact that so many people use it because the database they have of foods is so large that if you go somewhere like Pizza Express, actually most of the food in Pizza Express will be on the on the app. Um but then if you go to a restaurant that's not a chain, then you might not find it on there. But that is the benefit to using an app that's so popular like MyFitnessPal. I, t- I totally agree. And I think um, MyFitnessPal also has, it, it kind of prompts you with um, ideas or tells yeah. you how you're progressing for the day, uh, gives you little kind of yeah. dashboards of, you know, what how many calories you have left. It's very visual yeah. and, it, and it can be almost like a virtual coach like a nutritionalist around, you know, the macros you're having, things you should have a little bit more of. I think it's a great app. I personally don't use it just because you know, it's like using iPhone or Android. You get used to one thing and you've now got your data in that one thing. Yeah. So you can't be bothered with the kind of transition cost. Yeah, because it's, yeah, you have to learn, work your way around it, don't you? And you've got your data in two places. I don't want to yeah. do that. So I use something called MyNet Diary, which I think, to be honest, is identical. You know, the user population is as big. Um, <clears throat> the user and a company-derived database is massive. Mm-hmm. And this is a big thing about these big apps, is that it works in two ways. The company is trying to put out the official con- um, you know, calorie and macro content for different foods that they find themselves. But a big part of uh, how they build up their database is they get user contribution. For example, I'll go and buy a food, mm-hmm. I'll go scan the barcode, 
and most, you know, 99 uh, times out of 100, it pops up with what it yeah, is, portion size, and then I just select how much I've had. Every once in a while, they don't have that food, and it says they can't find a barcode. You have two options then. You, you guesstimate, or you find the next alternative, maybe a different brand, and just choose the weight. Or you take two seconds, and you take a picture of the front and the back, Okay. and you press send, and it sends the nutritional value back to my net diary and within 24 hours or kind of that time frame they've worked through those images because they want images for oh, official okay. proof yeah. and they've you know coded it back into the database that's brilliant and then you get things like user contributed cooked foods mm. so people might say a spag bowl spaghetti bolognese of this size is roughly worth this many calories. Mm. I don't go with there with that because I don't know what they put into yeah. making the spaghetti bolognese. But there's also a ton of that stuff too, to kind of predetermine roughly how much a certain type of cooked food is. Mm. But if you want to be accurate, you probably want to be tracking the ingredients versus yeah. someone else's version of that meal that might have a completely different blend of ingredients and yeah, yeah. therefore calories. Okay, yeah, that's good. I don't know if my MyFitnessPal does that or not with the... Um, it probably does, man. Yeah, but that, that's a great idea. It's really cool. Yeah. You track, you, you, you take a picture of the front and the back, so they get the name right, they get the portion size right, the serving size, and then they put in all the macros as well, so you get the proteins, carbs, yeah. and fats. Yeah. Um, so I would say take a look at MyNetDiary or MyFitnessPal. Both come with free options, and you can use those in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. They do have subscriptions if you want to upgrade upgrade to certain features, but I don't think it's necessary. No. no, definitely not. And it takes it takes all of two or three days to just familiarize yourself with where to go to add foods, how to copy favorites, how to replicate previous days, how to scan stuff. You know, two two three days, very intuitive. Yeah. By that point, you know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that leads us on to the next one, which is how to measure. So you've now got your app. Now, how do we measure the food once we've got the app? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, again, the objective is to see at the end of the day how many calories you've had. Um, there's many methods of doing this. I mean, you can, the most popular and the most, um, I would say, accurate way of doing it, which me and you do, is weigh on the scales. Mm -hmm. um, so just buy yourself a small... Um, set of scales at home I think I don't think they cost much they're about 15 quid and they're these this tiny flat like the square digital scales digital scales yeah. yeah yeah they're not like these big clunky, big, things, clunky yeah. scales you've got to kind of you balance your out your swears you just put the margarine in when you're making it and it's balancing it out between the two actually do you remember those with the cast iron yeah yeah and you balance they look out. amazing and you'd probably That'd have one in, like. in, in your kitchen just for the, the look yeah but from a practical standpoint these little digital yeah. tiny footprint scales I mean you can have them out all, all the time if you want yeah they're so unobtrusive and you hardly notice in them and you press one button it gets it new it set resets itself to zero immediately you put one thing I do is if, if it's a source or it's a thing that needs to be contained mm -hmm. I'll put it in a bowl or a plate first so I'll put the weighing scales down I put the bowl or the plate there I press the button to reset so now it's back to zero even though it's got a, plate a massive plate bowl, on it yeah. and then you pour or add the, the food you want in and yeah. it just measures the, the new stuff you put onto that plate. Yeah. It's a really easy way to measure things that otherwise would be difficult to measure. Yeah, I, I didn't actually realise it did that when I first started tracking. I thought, oh, it's going to be a ball lake, I'm going to have to minus the plate and 
I'm gonna have to put food on and then take the uh, that yeah. food off and put more food on. But like you said, you can put the plate on, press reset, goes to zero, put your food on. Well, up, press reset again, put your next bit of food on, and then you can just add it up like that. And it's just digital scales, just they're, they're so so, so easy. easy, and they and really add so. they really add no extra effort. It sounds like effort, yeah, but I really don't think it is. Again, there's certain things you don't need to track, like the you know the the herbs and spices, but. You know, a bit of broccoli, a bit of asparagus, mushroom, a bit of chicken, a bit of meat, um, and even an avocado. If you wanted to weigh an avocado, you know, you, you take the pip out, you put it on there, you know how many grams. Now, you could equally just say, I've had an avocado, mm. and either will be about right. So, But I would say the go-to, the, the gold standard, use the weighing scales where yeah. you can for both liquids and kind of foods. Solid foods, yeah. Both can be done. So that's one way. The other way is to, to look at um, por- um, you know, predetermined portion sizes. Yeah. So I just mentioned fruit. Like if I have an apple, I'm not going to weigh an apple. I'm going to say I've had an apple, and I'll go search on, on, on the app for an apple, and I'll go, that, that'll do. Yeah. And it's however many calories, and that's it. I'm not going to go, is it, is it a 50-gram apple or a 150-gram yeah. apple? It does make a difference to some degree, but the reality is, if I say one medium apple, that's a medium apple. It's yeah, going to be within about five or ten calories, calories, or yeah, 80, 90 calories. It's going to be so little. If I'm having an avocado, because they change, they can be tiny or they can be yeah. massive. I know what a small one is. I know what a medium one is. I know what a large one is, yeah. and I'll just go small, medium, large. Yeah. But if I really care that day, if I'm feeling in the mood, I might I might weigh it. Yeah. But portion predetermined portion sizes can work wonders. For things like fruits, typically like a banana, apple, avocado, um, probably those are the go-to things that you can yeah. just predetermine the size on the app. Outside of that, use the weight scales. Exactly. If you so weight scales is one option, gold standard. Another option could be cup. I'm going to say cup of rice yeah. or half a cup of broccoli or half a cup, and I'm like. Do you know what? That means nothing to me. Yeah. Because a cup cup is not a cup, a drinking cup. A cup is this random cup size. (laughs) Who has a fucking measuring cup at home? Is this, I think in um, America they use this as a a metric. Uh, I think they use cups to measure a lot of their stuff, I think. We don't tend to do it. In bakery as well, you you typically measure by cups. Uh, Do you? Okay. A lot. And people will, because bakery is such a precise process. That if you don't get those ingredients right, you don't produce the cake you want. It just will not f- form in the way you need. Yeah. Therefore, there's a precision there. So I think cups are quite popular in anything which is like baked goods. But who has a cup, a measuring cup? Mm. Because if you use a, a cup of tea cup, that's not the same size at all. So it, yeah. for me, I'm like, yeah, if you want to do it, do it that way. But it's almost not worth yeah. the extra level of complexity. Just fucking it. Just yeah. Weigh it. it depends what they mean by cup, doesn't it? And you can have wrong size cups. So subjective. So, yeah. So cups is a way though. If you've got measuring cups and you like that format, like a cup of rice will be the same as you measuring it. You know, roughly. Um, the other then could be by hand. Mm-hmm. So people say like a handful or a thumb worth of a fat or a fist size of or protein. a palm of this I mean again it can work some people might like that flexibility of like I've just grabbed a handful for me and my personality type that doesn't work mm-hmm. but it might work for you but what the problem you're going to find is 
that's not a portion size that you can choose on any of these apps. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I had a handful of nuts. It doesn't, there isn't a handful. <laughs> there's there's a pack if for a gram size, size or how many nuts. Yeah. In some cases, they'll say, how many Brazil nuts did you have? Yeah. But a handful of Brazil nuts. How much is that? Mm. Like Brazil nuts, a handful between my handful and my daughter's handful will yeah. be about 300 calories different. Mm. It's just, for me, it yeah. doesn't make sense, but you can do it if that's your go-to. Yeah, and I think maybe you can do that later down the line if you don't want to. If you if you've tracked for a few weeks, a few months, and you're feeling comfortable now with it, then you can use that as a means to measure if you don't want to track your calories. Then you could do that. Some people just go well, roughly. Now I'm having a sort of a, a, a fist size of protein, and and people go by that. That's how I learned through um, my studies with Precision Nutrition. They actually. They said, we don't believe in calorie counting. Um, we only believe in sort of portion sizes. And that's how they would teach us. But I do find it can be somewhat inaccurate. So, But I just think using an app is just... It's, it's a great It's tool. actually easier because you, you think less. Even yeah. though you, you do slightly more, you end up thinking less. And for me, I want to just eat without thinking. And this kind of allows me to get there mm. because the, the app does all the adding up for me. I don't have to like... Now, back in the day, when people were doing food diaries, they were having to write things down, then look at a kind of dictionary of foods, look how many calories for that food stuff. They have to do all the math themselves. Man, that Imagine that. Yeah. People, you know, physique competitors were doing that once upon a time before yeah. these apps existed. Crazy, isn't it? <laughs> they go for apps. I mean... Yeah. Makes life so easy. The last thing, actually, just thinking about measuring is <coughs> associated to cups. You've got teaspoons and tablespoons. Yeah. I do actually do that quite a lot. Yeah. A lot of the kind of portion sizes on things like butters, almond butters, and peanut butters, and that kind of thing, they they do Very measure in teaspoon or taste tablespoon. Mm-hmm. I would probably do that. The only kind of uh, caution here is your teaspoons and tablespoons aren't the official measurement of teaspoon and tablespoons. No. Now, for some foods, it doesn't matter because we're talking about ca- a few calories here or there. For a really calorie-dense thing, like a peanut butter or like ghee, for example, mm. the difference between a tablespoon at home and what a real tablespoon size is could be quite a bit of difference. So just be mindful of that. I actually bought some actual measuring spoons mm. just so I knew. I don't use them, but I wanted to buy them to just know, oh, okay, so a tablespoon is two tablespoons of the tablespoons that we use at home, because yeah. mine are quite small. Um, so now I know. So if I yeah. if I want a, a quote unquote tablespoon of ghee, I put two tablespoons of my of my spoons in there, and I know I'm roughly hitting the same mark. Yeah, and a, a, another point I actually want to touch on whilst we're talking about this is, let's say you're not using the app and you're going by serving sizes on let's say your cereal packet, which you actually were talking to me about last week. I think it was as if. If it says a serving size is this many calories and you pour it in the bowl, if you actually weighed that out to what they recommend, usually, it, like you were saying, it barely covers the bottom of the bowl. And you think, what the fuck? That's this is a serving size. Yeah, so yeah. be wary of that because, yeah, they, they try and get away with as little as they can so that it doesn't look so calorie dense. Yeah, so again, this might be my gluttonous ways, but whenever I look at, at suggested serving sizes, yeah. it's, it's never, never enough. No. You know, seven sizes of sauces, seven sizes of meats or rice or packaged goods or cereals. 
it's completely inadequate for the volume that I need to be satisfied. Yeah. So I end up having two or maybe three of their quoted servings. And I think most people do. When people put a, a, a bowl of cereal together, they'll probably fill that bowl up three quarters yeah. and put the rest of, uh, rest, rest of it with milk. That's probably two or three servings. Yeah. And yeah, don't be misled by that. If you know, once you know what your habit is, then maybe you can use portion sizes. But again, I think it's easier if you're going to have some cereal, go get the weighing scales, put, well, put the bowl on, on top of it, pour your shreddies in there, what have you, and know how many have you had. Yeah. Do it once, and then you know every time you have your cereal, you're roughly going to fill it up to about the same amount. Yeah. It's a one-off job. Yeah. Cool, I think that covers the types of ways to track. <clears throat> the last piece that I think covers most of the questions around this calorie counting discussion is how long to track for we've kind of touched on it a little bit already but to summarize i would say don't overwhelm yourself with into, with expecting you're going to do this forever mm-hmm. instead look at this as an opportunity to learn pick up a new skill and get a, a better appreciation for the food you're eating yeah so look at this as an opportunity for two to three weeks to be consistent accurate and honest with yourself with the foods that you're eating and the choices that you're making subliminally it will force you probably probably in the moment to make slightly different decisions which is always a good thing because you you catch yourself and go oh i'm going to dial down that scoop of whatever because i didn't realize how many calories were in there so just in the moment of tracking those two to three weeks you're going to learn a whole heap and you're going to make some subconscious decisions Mm. but at the back of those three weeks you're not going to be a master on you know portion size and eyeballing a a specific type of food and knowing how many calories are in there like like a catalog in your brain Mm. you won't get that after two to three weeks but you will start to just recognize recognize things in broad terms a bit better yeah now after those two to three weeks hopefully if you're if you've got a specific um, calorie goal which is to lose weight you're keeping within it within say 50 calories plus or minus per day and you're tracking consistently and honestly you should see the weighing scales go in the direction you expect mm. that positive reinforcement may encourage you to keep this this um, habit going for a longer term because you can't manage what you don't measure mm. and for me I got so much positive reinforcement that if I want to add weight, if I want to add um, body weight, I need to eat this amount. When I do that, the weighing scales don't lie; they tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. If I want to lose weight, I've got to take this amount of calories from my daily allowance. And when I track, again, the weighing scales don't lie; they go in the right direction. That positive reinforcement that I'm in control, like in complete control, which means I have complete flexibility. Yeah, I love. And that's the reason that I'd say in a month, I may not track for two days or three days mm-hmm. where it's too complicated for that day. Um, you know, I'm on the road, I'm eating out, I'm, you know, there's too much out of, my, out of my hands. I'll try and make the best educated choices I can, but it's just too much. I've got too bit. I'm too busy to mm-hmm. think about this, yeah. these new foods I'm eating two or three days a month. For the rest of it, I'm tracking, and I anticipate I'm going to track for for quite a long time. Because for me, 
it gives me enough value. Yeah. For others, they may feel they've acquired the knowledge after a month. Um, for others still, they may go, I just hate it. Mm. It isn't for me. It doesn't work. I'd rather be inaccurate and roughly go in the right direction based yeah. on intuition. And there's no wrong or right answer. Yeah. But just I would say look at this as a, as a, a two to three week moment of education. Get to that three week kind of milestone. Evaluate whether it's been valuable. And then decide just how, how committed you are to be 100% accurate, quite, quite accurate with some flexibility, or just throw it away because it just doesn't work for you. Yeah. And it's your choice. Exactly. I, I track on and off because I feel that I've got to a point where I've got that luxury where I can track when I choose to and not track when I choose to. Kind of like you said, if you have a few days where you don't track, you've now got the luxury of doing that and not actually going too far the wrong way because you now have a good understanding and that again like i said earlier should be your main objective is to get to a point where you can do that and then you can make your decision whether you want to carry on tracking or not i personally i don't like tracking that much myself i do it every now and then to track myself for a few weeks to, to sorry to check myself to make sure your, your make portion sure. sizes haven't become twisted exactly. in your head that then, you're still looking at foods in the right way exactly and then i'll go no i'm good and I, because I eat the same, you know, creature of habit, I eat the same day in, day out mostly. So I track for a few weeks, make sure it's all right, then I stop and I carry on eating that way. And then I check Some people myself are very way. habitual. So, some people eat the same lunch every day. Yeah. Some people have the same five meals every week. Yeah. Um, and if there's low diversity in your food, and you know what you need to do to achieve a calorie goal, and that goal matters to you because you want to lose the weight, and you're rinsing and repeating the same week every week, then yeah, maybe you don't need to. Mm. Or maybe you should copy, copy and paste all the all the stuff from last week into yeah. this week, and then you have to do nothing other than add anything new that you've yeah. you've had. Yeah, because there's probably two times where I tend to spur me to track again is if my calorie goal changes, so if I'm increasing or yeah. decreasing my calories, then I'll go, right, now I need to adjust my diet, so I'll track again to figure out where I need to be. Or if I'm cycling different foods in, if I start changing the foods that I'm eating, again, I need to check how many calories are in them just so I'm aware. Or you have a new type of food, yeah. a new experience. Oh, that was, a, that was lovely. Mm. I wonder you know, how much damage yeah, yeah. is caused, yeah. you know what I mean? So, exactly. Yeah, and, you know, the last, last point on, on tracking, it sounds like I, I, I'm encouraging um, ultimate kind of precision and accuracy. Um, that's the way I operate. I, I want to keep right, within yeah. a fairly tight tolerance, but from a tolerance perspective, whatever your number is, cut yourself some slack, say 50 calories plus or minus that number. Yeah. So if you're a 1,700 calorie budget, 1650 to 1750 don't try and hit it bang on it can be very difficult almost yeah. impossible to get it to the calorie and let's be clear calorie counting and tracking is not an accurate process yeah every, you know every apple is a different um size um the cat the, 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 the calories suggested on a package are guidelines and they have a tolerance they're allowed to be within a threshold of accuracy yeah. and yeah, you know this is this is chemistry. This yeah. isn't an exact science. Exact itself. science yeah. because there's so many variables. <laughs> so 
I like to be consistent with my level, you know, I'm consistent, whether I'm accurate or not, it doesn't matter, I'm consistent in how I approach things, Yeah. and then I I respond to what the weighing scales say, and that works for me, so I try and keep within 50 calories plus or minus my target, mm-hmm. um, and that works, so cut yourself that kind of level of latitude, because one, the process isn't wholly accurate, and two, it's too difficult to get it bang on, and I think that works. Yeah. All right, so I think we've, um, I think we've, you know, we've given you hopefully enough. We've answered the common questions. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we've given you enough encouragement that um, this isn't actually that complicated, and the upside of calorie counting could be a game changer for the way in which you manage your weight. And bear in mind, this isn't a forever thing. This is something episodic you do, and you're in control as to whether you want to keep doing it or not but take the moment to educate yourself. Um, if you have any questions, of course, you can fire them through to us on um, the website or via Instagram or our Facebook page. We look forward to hearing any questions and hearing your feedback on this session. So for now, uh, let's close on saying that we are all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to optimize and improve your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.